Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin today's episode of Potterless, I just wanted to give a brief apology slash correction over something that happened in the last episode. So David and I were talking specifically about the part where the Death Eaters are terrorizing the people around the Quidditch World Cup, and they were flipping women upside down so that their skirts were revealing what's underneath. And David and I treated this as if it was just pantsing and we thought it was kind of immature and silly, but what we didn't realize until it was pointed out to us was that this could verge on something more sinister even verging on something such as sexual assault. So it was probably just written, since it is a children's book, it was probably just written in a way that children would be like, oh, that's kind of mean, and adults could understand like, oh, this could be a bit more problematic. And David and I just missed it. We didn't mean to trivialize something so serious. We didn't mean to make light of it or act like it's not a real issue. It just went over our heads, and we, I guess because we were being so snarky and trying to to make fun of things, we just immediately jumped to the obvious presentation of him being like, oh, wow, this is silly that they would do that. But thankfully, a couple of people pointed it out to us, uh, both in person to me and also on Twitter. People were very nice about saying like, hey, this is something that actually could be a bit more serious. And people were very appreciative and understanding that this was just an honest mistake on our part. So we just wanted to apologize for that. We didn't mean any harm. We just missed it, and we're sorry about that. So hopefully you guys understand that. Um, But in happier news, if you search for Potterless on iTunes, and you just search P-O-T in the search bar, Potterless shows up as the very bottom thing. So we're making progress, and I just wanted to thank everyone. That means that the the ratings and reviews that people are leaving on iTunes are actually helping. I really want to get to the point where if someone accidentally touches the search bar and then P, Potterless shows up. (laughs) But that's just a pipe dream. But really, thank you guys so much for leaving those reviews on iTunes. It actually really does help a lot with searching for stuff and allowing more people to find the podcast. So that's fantastic. And finally, thanks to our newest patrons, Clint Gentry, Justin Schneider, and Sean, with no last name, like Beyonce. And as always, thanks to our producer-level patrons, Leanne Davis, Griffin Meckelberg, Vicky Garcia, Andreas Ozelby, and Aaron Johnson, who never crack the yolk on their eggs when making fried eggs. So without further ado, let's discuss chapters 11 through 13 of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire with Jake Kilroy, everybody's favorite former Viner and former Playboy writer. <laughs> Hello, Internet. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 24-year-old man reading the Harry Potter series for the first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm a heathen that has never read Harry Potter, and today I am joined with everyone's favorite writer, Jake Kilroy. Jake, how's it going? Going pretty well, man. I'm really excited to be on this Westworld podcast. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Uh, everyone's a robot. <laughs> uh, okay. By the time we post this, Westworld will be long over. But are you fully caught up so I can say something? Yeah, dude. I, that's like it's taken over my mind. It's just, 
Okay, so yeah, anyone whatever. that hasn't seen it by now, because we're recording this the, the day the big plot twist happened, but I've probably posted this months after. Spoiler alert, how do you feel about Bernard being a robot, the most painfully obvious cool plot twist ever? Yeah, no, I was I was like yelling at my television like an old man. Like I was flipping <laughs> out. I was like all I was by myself and just like screaming, just like what? And like pacing the room. You didn't know? Dude, the thing is like I okay, so the thing is like I suspected it early on, and then after a few episodes, I was like, you know what? Like I kind of abandoned that because it seems so obvious in the beginning and yeah. then like as episodes went off like went on i was like no and then when that happened it's just like shit also i was i was more blown away by ford's sinister level oh yeah no super <laughs> cool i like that i was like the whole time in the beginning i was like oh anthony hopkins hopkins is gonna be a nice guy this is lame and now he's like <laughs> evil i'm like hell fucking yeah <laughs> unleash him like at his full weird Oh, also, man. sorry for derailing. No, <laughs> yeah, enough about Westworld. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> so we are here to continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. We just finished two episodes of David Tress doing the horrible beginning of the book. And now we get into the meat of it, like chapters 11 through 16, which is a good section. Stuff starts finally happening. The gears start turning and it ends on a big old cliffhanger. Let's get cooking right away. Chapter 11, Aboard the Hogwarts Express. Mr. Weasley is talking to Mr. Deary through a fireplace, which is super cool. And I remember Sirius Black talking to Harry through a fireplace from my vague recollection of the first four movies. And I thought it happened during the third one. So I got really sad when I read the whole third book. And I was like, oh man, Sirius didn't talk to him through a fireplace. Did they just like add that in the movie? But now I'm assuming that later in this book, Sirius Black will talk to Harry through a fireplace, which makes much more sense now that he's in hiding. Dude, it's like a better version of Smoke Signals. Oh my gosh, it really is. And the best part about it is what happens next. Mrs. Weasley gives him a piece of toast when he hangs up. (laughs) She's like, oh, by the way, like, want some toast? And he's like, yeah, sure, Mrs. Weasley. And then she gives him a piece of toast, which is great. Yeah, but before the coolest hang-up in history, uh, the conversation takes place. Basically, Mr. Diggory is very upset because of a particular improper use of magic case. There's some dude named Mad-Eye that had intruders try to break into his house, so he set off exploding dustbins without using his wand. Now, here's my question. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming a dustbin is a trash can. Is is there a reason why this one dude who lives by himself has multiple trash cans? Dude, that's because Moody takes out the garbage of the wizarding world. Like, (laughs) he's a warrior. He, like, won't stand for that shit. He's cleaned up everyone's mess. He's so brave. Uh, It's true. He really is. I'm excited. Mr. Diggory says they need to make sure that Mad-Eye doesn't get into a major charge because he's about to start some new job, which they haven't announced, which is clearly foreshadowing that he's going to be a teacher at Hogwarts. So then you very quickly learn later that he is Mad-Eye Moody, a.k.a. the new Defense the Dark Arts teacher. He's the dude with the bionic eye or whatever from the movies. So in the movie... They say he's got a bionic eye. In the book, it just describes it as like a magic eye. So I don't know what is I, real. I never understood. I didn't actually. I, I didn't realize that. But like, I don't understand why they would do that for the movie since it's a wizarding world. Like, I thought the same thing when I listened to your podcast with Alex about the put outer. Yeah. Like a piece of tech that I don't understand why that wouldn't just be like magic. Like you can say. Yeah, why isn't there a spell? And kill someone, but you don't 
have any sort of magic to like put out a light. And so it's like the idea that they need a robotic eye instead of a magic eye. I don't get it. (laughs) So Fred calls Moody crazy. Mom is like, hey, your dad thinks very highly of him. And then Fred says, yeah, well, dad collects plugs. (laughs) So I'm really enjoying all of the sassy replies by everyone in the Weasleys that isn't Percy or Bill. Like every Weasley is just on point this book. Except for those two. Mad-Eye apparently used to work at the Ministry of Magic. He was a dark wizard catcher, and now he is retired. There are rumors that he has put half of Azkaban prisoners in there, so all of the families of those wizards hate him. Rightfully so. Yeah, so I was like, oh, maybe that's why he has intruders. Then you learn that he's gotten very paranoid in his old age, and I was like, oh, there weren't intruders. He's just a crazy old man. He has to stay vigilant, Mike. Yeah, I love that that's his catchphrase. What is it? Constant vigilance. Is wow, his, his catchphrase. It's like at the end of each class, it's like, it's never just like, okay, like have a good day. It's always like, remember, you can be murdered at any moment. Like, okay. <laughs> if you aren't on top of your shit, you could die. <laughs> yeah. Read chapters five through seven. Also avoid being stabbed to death. <laughs> Magic. Oh, so good. Percy says that he can't go with the family to say goodbye to the kids because let me hear your thoughts about Percy, Jake. The the thing I hate most about Percy is everything. Like, (laughs) the thing is like the smugness and his just like shitty attitude and his constant brown nosing is so different from the rest of the Weasley family who's like, just a collection of the best human beings ever. And he is just such a gross bag of dicks. <laughs> hey, I think that's offensive to bags of dicks. That's true. <laughs> okay, he's like a huge gross bag of Percy, and that's worse. There we go. There it is. <laughs> he's, right. He really is bad, but as David mentioned in previous episodes, the Wizzies are like too perfect. You have to have one bad egg. Like, you can't just have a family of nine perfect human beings. One person's got to spoil it, and it's Percy. I mean, Bill's yeah. pretty lame, too. Wait, okay, Scott, I'm curious about that, though. Why do you think that Bill is kind of lame? Oh, so the way that the book describes Bill, and I, I'm assuming this is different in the movies, but the way that the book describes Bill is if, like, an old white woman, J.K. Rowling, was like, what would make someone cool? I know. Let's give him long hair and rocker clothes and, like, oh my God. and dragon skin boots and an earring. That's a fang. It's like he's the stereotypical cool that is the farthest thing possible he's he's like the cool character in like a 1995 high school movie like oh that's bill he's the coolest kid in school as he walks around with his poorly grown in beard and fedora which bill would totally have if he was real I'm so glad she didn't give him a fedora. God, that would make me hate Bill. (laughs) So, two bad Weasleys. It's okay. Really Mm. one and a half. Percy says that he can't go with the family to say goodbye because Mr. Crouch has been relying too heavily on him. And George, again, going through with the Weasleys having great replies, says, you know, maybe someday he'll know your name. Which brings a question, because in the previous section, Crouch saw Percy at the games, at the World Cup, and called him Weatherby. So is Weatherby not his name? Is it just like a completely wrong name? I thought that like Weatherby was his like birth name and then he goes by Percy. But now it makes it seem like Weatherby is just like a completely different name. I think it's just that. That's just like, is Percy just like kissing ass, kissing ass, kissing ass. And then Crowder's like, oh, yeah. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking, Weatherby? Like, just like, <laughs> has no respect for Percy and does not care that much about him. Which is absolutely ridiculous because Weatherby's not even close. Like, as someone named Mike, 
when people call me Mark often or Matt, and it's fine. If anyone ever does, I'm never upset because it's like if you remembered that my name was a very common white guy named with an M, you basically got it. Right. But it's not like they called him like Peter or Paul or something close to Percy. Like Weatherby doesn't have the same amount of syllables. It doesn't start with the same letter. It doesn't rhyme not like nothing. It's it's like if, if I was trying to remember your name, Jake, and I was like, oh, I'll catch you later, Roscoe. Like not the same at all. Whoa. OK, <laughs> but that's like kind of an upgrade. Like Weatherby's like a step down for Percy. But like Roscoe it makes me sound like I got steez. I'm into that. <laughs> hey, editing Mike here. It has been brought to my attention that Crouch calling Percy Weatherby is him messing up his last name Weasel. And my apologies for neither me nor Jake picking up on this in the episode. All right, I'll start calling you Roscoe Kilroy from now on. That sounds baller as fuck. It sounds like I could have, that sounds like a name that would be in in a Harry Potter book. Yes, because J.K. Rowling has started to name people cooler things aside from before. And she's like, what should I name the plant teacher? How about Sprout? Ah, I'm a genius. (laughs) That has always bothered me. Like anytime that uh, a name is like indicative of like the profession, it makes me think that the writer isn't trying that hard. And then so when she puts all the names of the students, it sounds like a gang of like Ayn Rand characters and it sounds dope. But like (laughs) Mr. Sprout always drove me crazy. I thought it was a girl. I thought it was oh, a Yeah. Is it Miss Sprout? M- Ma- yeah, Madam Sprout or Professor. Madam Sprout, yeah. Professoress. I don't know. She's a girl. Yeah. She's a lady. <laughs> um, so that's the like, yeah, Sprout as a plant teacher, like, that's lazy. It's super lazy. So they go to King's Crossing. Mrs. Weasley mentions that they need to be sneaky about getting to platform nine and three quarters, to which I think, mm-hmm. like, yeah, good luck. Like, you have to walk through a brick wall. Like, there's nothing sneaky about walking through a brick wall ever. No way at all. There's never a time when King's Cross is not packed, and there's no time where a group of redheaded people are going to walk through a wall and people are going to be like, oh, whatever, must be Tuesday. That's ridiculous to me. Dude, yeah, and when I was at King's Cross, I thought that the whole time. It's not like they're going at, like, 3 a.m. It's, like, in the middle of, like, I have no idea how they get away with it. No, it's ridiculous. Absolutely insane. I don't get it. It bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) See, I find it endearing. So Charlie goes with them. Uh, He says goodbye, but then he's like, oh, you're going to see me soon. But don't tell Percy because it's that top secret thing that I'm not supposed to tell you about. So clearly the Triwizard Tournament. And now this makes me think, oh, like Charlie's got to be bringing the dragon that is there because Charlie's job is the coolest. He works with dragons in Romania like a complete baller. Bill mentions that he wishes he was still at Hogwarts for this year. Uh, Of course he does because he's a loser and he's trying to hold on to his high school glory years. (laughs) (laughs) Mama Weasley even knows what the event is. She mentions that it'll be a reason that they will want to stay at Hogwarts for Christmas, even though they do that every year, uh, and that they should learn what the event is tonight. But she's not going to tell them because she wants them to be surprised, which is pretty cool. Like, good mom move there. Yeah. They get on the train, and of course they run into Malfoy. They overhear him talking about how his dad almost sent him to a different wizarding school since Lucius hates Dumbledore because Dumbledore loves mudbloods and the headmaster at Durmstrang, which at the time I'm like, oh, this must be Crumb's school, doesn't stand for that. Mm. They don't let in mudbloods, which means they're racist. Yes. (laughs) But apparently Malfoy didn't go because Mrs. Malfoy couldn't live without Draco being close so that's a thing. It's funny that he uses that because his excuse is that his mom loves him too much and it doesn't seem very much like a Malfoy-like boast. 
It's just like my mom loves me. Like couldn't be standing apart. I rant about this in many of these episodes, but Malfoy is just not a good bully in any way at all. Like he doesn't have good or clever insults. He just calls Harry poor and or calls Ron poor and Harry an orphan. Yeah. He has gotten like slapped in the face by Hermione in front of people. He got bit by a buckbeak, failed to scare Harry at the Quidditch thing. Like he's done all these like painfully embarrassing things. And no one in the school has just been like, yeah, this kid's a fucking loser. They're just like, oh, Malfoy, the bully. Ha ha ha. Why are people still on the Malfoy train? I don't get it. Well, that's the okay. Like, I mean, Slytherin is like all about, he has a whole house. That's like at least like 25% of the whole school who mm-hmm. will stay loyal to him as the most vocal lunatic in Slytherin. Yeah. But he is yeah. kind of, he's like a weak sociopath. <laughs> It's true. I don't know. He's not a good bully. Anytime him and Harry get into like a back and forth, Harry always has a cooler final statement. It's not like he's beaten anyone up or is good at Quidditch. He's just like bad at everything. But his dad is rich, which apparently makes him cool. I don't know. I don't get it. And his his family seems very scary. And they're like a dark wizarding family. They're kind of like on the the line. And also he... (laughs) He reminds me of uh, an old friend of mine who would always just bring up the first meanest thing that he could think of to end arguments. And that's basically what Malfoy does, where it's just like, he just brings up like your parents are dead, <laughs> like your whole family is poor forever. Hermione, you're an abomination. It's always just like, whoa, that, okay. He jumps to like the, just like the laziest thing, but it's always like the harshest thing that no one can change. Mm-hmm. True. So apparently also Durmstrang teaches dark arts to their students, not just defense, which seems highly problematic, really seems like not a thing that should happen. But that was a a thing that Malfoy had wished he had been a part of so that he could learn the spells. Hermione mentions that Durmstrang has a horrible reputation, mainly for the dark arts stuff. And apparently no one knows where it is located. And the reason is there's a big rivalry amongst these three magic schools. So Durmstrang and Beaubaton keep their locations hidden, but clearly Beaubaton is in France. That's yes. not a mystery at all. They might as well <coughs> have named it like Escargot Eiffel Tower University because it's very French. Durmstrang could be anywhere, but I'm assuming it is somewhere in Eastern Europe. Right. Beaubaton, like, could you have picked a more obviously French name? <laughs> yeah, it's very French. And I feel like a lot of the populace is very French. <laughs> Yeah, and France is not big. It is smaller than Texas. So I don't think that there's really hiding it, but apparently no one knows where it is. Ron conveniently doesn't know that Hogwarts is hidden. And the whole purpose of this is so that Hermione can explain to the reader. uh, I mean, so that Hermione can explain to Ron. Yeah, totally Ron (laughs) how it's hidden. So you learn that the castle is bewitched so that if any muggle sees it, They see an old ruin with a sign outside of a fence that says, danger, do not enter, unsafe. To which I think is like, are you kidding me? Like, that is a cooler than a welcome mat. Yeah, and I feel like that would only entice people. I mean, it's not like decaying castles are gross and boring. They're cool as hell. They're the coolest. Yeah. So the idea of like, just it's like, oh, yeah, it's just like there's a sign that says don't go in, it's dangerous. It's, you know, it's a giant ruin of castle. It's like, to go into that. Dude, totally. I would 5,000% go into that. Not a question at all. But that's apparently good enough to keep muggles at bay. David and I talked about this last episode, but like, why didn't they do something like this for the stadium? Like, why did the stadium have to be not actually hidden? It just like had the thing where people remembered something. I don't, I just, the whole stadium thing was weird for me. It also wasn't that that big. It was like 100,000 people, which is as big as Barcelona Stadium in Spain. Like, not that big of a stadium. (laughs) I mean, big, but not like ridiculously big. 
Just like a normal large stadium. How many people go to the actual World Cup? I like. It's, I don't know how. Oh, I don't know how many people are there, but it says that in the book it says it seats like over just over a hundred thousand people. Interesting. So, which is just you know a Barcelona soccer match, which is like ridiculous because most stadium like football stadiums in the U.S. are like fifty thousand, so it's like twice the size of a football stadium. But for a wizarding community, it's not like obnoxious. Like you would think they're yeah. wizards, it would be like five hundred thousand people, and in the movie, the thing is like freaking enormous. Like in the yeah. movie, it's like five hundred thousand people for sure. But the book, it's like yeah, it sees a hundred thousand people. That's not impressive. Which just further proves <laughs> that like J.K. Rowling has never played or watched a sport in her life ever. Well, maybe it's because like the wizarding community is technically smaller than like the oh, world's population. Yeah. Like, okay, that would make sense if there maybe there's only a hundred thousand wizards and everyone goes to the World Cup. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I've never totally understood like how big, like how many, what the population is of the wizarding world. They don't even say how big Hogwarts is ever, or at least they haven't yet. Yeah, I thought it was weird that uh, Harry just learned in his fourth year of wizarding school that there are other wizarding schools. Yes. Like, I don't know how it wouldn't come up at any other point. Well, like, in I the think first it would week. probably be because J.K. Rowling didn't think of it until after three books. <laughs> oh, well, that thing is like, so the fourth book, one of the things I love most about the fourth book is that it expands the world. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was funny that like, that Harry's now just getting around and it's like, huh, there's like other schools like this? I would have like a million questions if I found out I was a wizard and like how the whole other society works. Yeah, and this is something I talked about in the episode with David is that he also doesn't know anything about the Quidditch World Cup even though he's obsessed with it. It's a lot of weird things where either it's just like very convenient with J.K. Rowling that keeps adding stuff afterwards or Harry's just an idiot and never asks questions about anything that he likes. He just like lives his life and then as things happen is like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, which is funny. He questions authority, but he doesn't question his own basic surroundings. No, not at all. The buildings are also enchanted to be unplottable so that you can't put them on a map. Hermione mm-hmm. mentions Durmstrang is probably in the far north since their uniforms feature fur coats. And then Ron talks about how it would have been so easy to push Malfoy off of a glacier and claim it was an accident if they went to Durmstrang instead. Which is like, what? take a take a step back, Ron. Like, that is ridiculous. Ron is done being poor, dude. Now he's going <laughs> to out on Oh, uh, yeah. He's done being poor. He's going to start being a murderer. Yeah. But also, why can't he just push Malfoy out of, like, a very high tower window? I mean, they're in a giant castle. I mean, I guess with the glacier is that you can make more claims that he slipped and fell or something. Mm -hmm. That's true. I don't know. It's a dark side of Ron that briefly comes out. Yeah, and they just, like, don't address it. Harry and Hermione aren't like, that's fucked up, Ron. They're just like, la, 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 let's keep talking. (laughs) I would love for, like, a few pages of just both of them just like, Jesus, Ron. And Ron's like, I I was just thinking, just like, that is fucked up, dude. You fucking lunatic. Oh, man. But the the only good thing about this is that in the next line, he turns it around by ending his quote about the whole pushing him off a glacier thing with dot, dot, dot. It's a shame his mother likes him, which is uh, like totally saves it because that's a hilarious way to end it. Yeah. So, so they run into the usual friends on the train, like Seamus and all them and Neville. And Malfoy then bumps into them. He makes fun of Ron's dress robes, which I don't get why Ron didn't like stuff them inside a suitcase if he was embarrassed by them. And Malfoy yeah. then asks if uh, they're going to enter. 
which is hinting at the Triwizard, uh, but he doesn't tell it to them. He brags that his dad knew early and told them all about it, which I don't get why you would brag about that. And he scoffs that maybe Ron's dad wasn't major enough to know about it. He's like, your father's too junior to hear about the tournament. So that makes Ron really mad. So when he closes the door of their little compartment, he closes it so hard that he breaks the window, which is so cool. Yeah, actually, more and more. Ron's like kind of a dangerous dude. He's got a temper. Ron gets badass in this book, and I'm digging it. (laughs) I really like the new Ron. So uh, Hermione fixes it with Rapero, and then she says, like, oh, don't let him get to you, Ron. And Ron, who just broke a window out of frustration, is like, nah, he hasn't gotten to me. It's like, Ron, you just broke a fucking window by slamming a door. (laughs) Again, two more pages of just them just like, Jesus fucking Christ, Ron. (laughs) You gotta fucking mellow out, dude. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Intervention of Ron. <laughs> oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> so they get to Hogwarts and they prepare to enter for the feast, and we get to chapter 12, the Triwizard Tournament. The squad gets attacked by water balloons that are being thrown by Peeves, and you think that this is gonna turn into something, but that it just like that's the end. It's just like Peeves had water balloons, and then they ignore it. McGonagall stops it. It's I think it's the first time that they mention that she is the deputy headmistress. So she's basically the vice principal. All the students are like wet and they're going into the feast and they're upset about it. There's no spell for drying off. <laughs> they use towels in the wizarding world. <laughs> That's a very good point. And also, I don't understand the relations that ghosts can have with physical matter. I assume everything is like the movie Ghost starring Patrick Swayze, uh, where if you try hard enough, you can push things. <laughs> Okay. If you're angry oh enough about being murdered, you can push things. Dude, I wish Lazy was a ghost in one of the houses. I'd be so tight. Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, and the Hufflepuff ghost, Patrick Swayze, came dancing in. Oh my lord. I hope that's the case in the American uh, wizarding school. Oh man, that'd be what so What if America cool. only even has one? I don't know if it has several. Who knows? Well, I don't know. Yeah. We'll just find out in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, which premieres tomorrow at the time of recording this. So that's oh. cool. I'm go- I think I'm going to watch it, but I'm going to make sure that people – I'm going to have to have someone watch it first and tell me if there's any spoilers because I don't want to know anything. I want to I, – yeah. I need to keep this knowing as little as possible. I need to keep that going. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. This episode of Potter List is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% off get, your first purchase right by going to arenaclub.com slash wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. Wow. That's a wild so offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So they go to the feast. The narrator then describes all of the teachers, and when it gets to Snape, says Snape is, quote, sallow-faced, hook-nosed, and greasy-haired. Why are you being so mean to Snape? Oh, God, I, yeah. Snape's earned it. He's, he's a cruel idiot. <laughs> he's Alan Rickman. I, Alan Rickman, I love. And he did such a great job as Snape, but... God, Snape is such a dick. But he turns it around and does the always thing. And I don't know what it means. All I know is that he's got a big crush on Mama Potter. And here's the thing is don't everyone gave anything. him a pass after that. Uh-huh. But like I super didn't. That guy <laughs> was in like wizarding Hitler's like That's army a- and stuff. And, <laughs> and not, no, Snape is terrible. And just because he had like a nice crush and that whole thing, it doesn't get to, he doesn't get the endearing factor that everyone like gave to him after that. <laughs> Sorry, I just God. he still he picks on a twelve year old child, gets his anger yeah, out on well, not getting his mom by taking it out on his kid. Also, to be fair, Harry Potter's dad did seem kind of like a jock asshole. Yeah, a little bit. Like at first they're like, "Wow, James Potter's great," and then you learn more. And you're like, "Oh, James Potter is just like kind of a dick." <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gotten along with him. <laughs> so the hat sings its shitty song as it does every year, but this year it's really <laughs> long and really bad. <laughs> oh man, I dug it. I listened to the audiobook recently, and yes, I like. I that's went what back I did. The Jim Dale again. audiobook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I thought his singing voice was really annoying, so I hated it. <laughs> He was like, oh, I'm the hat and Hogwarts is here and we've got Hufflepuff. And it's like, yo, shut up, Jim Dale. <laughs> Dude, now I kind of want you to re-record the whole audiobook. That was great. Yo, I'd be so down. Anyone listening that works for an audiobook thing, listen to my sultry voice and hire me to read words. <laughs> I feel like I should pay by the minute. That's good. <laughs> Wouldn't it be dope? I would love if by some random thing I got like a contract of being an audiobook reader. I don't even know how someone becomes that. No idea. <laughs> Email me at Ponderless Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see really bad song and then harry sees cho chang again of course slowly hinting that he thinks she's hot there's this weird side story about colin creevy having a little brother that gets into gryffindor and falling into the lake on the boat ride over and getting saved by a giant squid and that's just brushed over that there's a giant squid in the hogwarts lake yeah <laughs> like one sentence about the squid and then no other mention hogwarts is cool factor shot up like upon learning that there's a giant squid in the lake. Yeah, they got a tree that beats people up and now they got a squid. <laughs> yeah, why do they even need the sign that says like dangerous, don't come in? Yeah, the they, squid have a, they have a giant people. squid and a fucking fighting tree. <laughs> 
They don't need anything. Food starts. Nearly Headless Nick reveals that house elves work in the kitchen, and they also do nightly cleaning. Hermione's mm-hmm. like, oh, do they get benefits? And Nearly Headless Nick is like, what? Of course not. They're house elves. And Hermione then becomes a house rights or a house elf rights activist and decides she's going to, you know, change the world and Martin Luther King for house elves. So good for Hermione. She refuses to eat any more of the food because it's made by, quote, slave labor. And that's a fun little side story that gets developed on later. Dumbledore starts giving announcements. There is a big shocker when he says that there's no Quidditch tournament, which I think is a fantastic revelation. <laughs> uh, he's about to announce the Triwizard Tournament when Moody barges in, and you learn that Moody is really ugly. He's got like a scarred face. His eyes are weird. Like one is normal, but one is like magic, and he's got a peg leg. Dumbledore announces that he's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. The only people who clap are Dumbledore and Hagrid. And this raises a piece of concern that everyone in Hogwarts is shallow. Everyone in Hogwarts is like, oh, this guy's ugly. I'm not going to clap for him. <laughs> I don't. Or they're so taken aback with, like, you know, everyone looks and starts, and then it's just like this battle scarred veteran, like, who just looks like he's been in like a hundred bar fights. <laughs> but no also, one claps. Like, I feel like at least Fred and George would be like, yo, this guy looks tight. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, pretty surprised by the Hufflepuffs by like for not clapping. That seemed like they would be the ones to like for sure, just like oh, you know, like not even know, like not see scars. Mm-hmm. They're supposed like, to be super nice, right? But yeah, not. those kind oh. of dick move. What uh, what house are you in? I try to remember to ask people this, but I forget often. What house would you be sorted in? I meant to look this up again because I did that uh, Harry Potter like half house, and I think I was Gryffindor. Okay. Some, yeah, that makes sense. I would I would peg you for a Ravenclaw first and a Gryffindor second. You, you fucking nerd, writing shit for a living. <laughs> as long as long as I did, didn't get put in a Slytherin, I was like, it's very weird to be like a fully grown man and then to take like a BuzzFeed quiz and sort of <laughs> have like an edge of like nervousness of like, please don't put me in fucking Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I took I was taking the uh, the Patronus test and I was like, please don't give me. It's not that I didn't want like a weird animal. It's like just don't give me a normal animal. I didn't want, like, dog or cat or something. I got fox, which I thought was cool. Oh, that's dope. I think I got I, I think I think got a giant bird. I nice. can't remember what kind of. I dig it. I just wanted either something cool or something super lame or something super weird. Like, it just had to be some sort of extreme. I couldn't just have, like, an okay animal. Yeah, I would, I would need a gigantic scary animal to protect my very weak frame or <laughs> something that's, like, very much me. Like a giraffe. I identify with giraffes. I get them. But it makes sense to me. And so it's like, tall. you like yeah, I'm, leaves. Dude, gangly, like clumsy ass vegetarians yeah. with a body that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was, but instead I got a giant bird. It's all right. It sounds pretty dope still. Moody takes a swig from his flask and Harry sees that he does in fact have a peg leg, which was a question before. Dumbledore then announces the Triwizard Tournament and mentions that it's the first time in 100 years that they've had it. Fred screams you're joking really loud when everyone else is quiet and everybody laughs, which is fantastic. Basically, you learn that one wizard comes from each school. There's three events. It started where uh, each school would host it once every five years and they would rotate between the three schools. But the tournament was discounted because, quote, the death toll mounted so high, which means that they didn't stop after one death 
or a couple deaths. It was like when it became an egregious amount of deaths, which is very concerning. Yes. Really strange that they were like, oh, 30 people have died. Fine. We'll stop doing this thing for 18-year-old kids. Yeah, that's pretty heavy duty. They don't fuck around. They don't fuck around at all. The winner gets eternal glory, the cup for their school, and a thousand galleons, which is over $10,000, which is sweet. There's an age restriction of 17 and up, and uh, there's small cohorts from each school coming to Hogwarts. So there's going to be a group of people from Bobaton and Durmstrang that are going to come and put their names in a goblet, etc. Dumbledore mentioned that there is an impartial judge that will judge multiple times, in addition to each of the housemasters judging. And Fred and George talk about trying to make a potion to trick the judge, and Harry has a dream about winning, and that's the end of the chapter. So we get into chapter 13, Mad-Eye Moody. The kids are talking about classes. Harry and Ron are still taking divination, even though they hate it, and they apparently had the option to not take it again, but they've decided to take it for a second year. I don't understand the reasoning. Aside from driving a plot where, you know, Trelawney might have another Voldemort vision, but it's like, if you actively hate a class and you're not forced to take it, why would you sign up for it as an elective? It's a very good question i have no idea (laughs) yeah hermione's like oh i switched i'm taking like wizard math or whatever it's called which sounds way cooler does it replace their like former grade i have no idea because she took it last year but then switched to something else the class system didn't make any sense especially because like they let hermione take three more classes than normal i don't know maybe it's like a college credit thing where you just have to get like a certain amount of classes in particular areas but I think it's weird that they're taking a class that they actively dislike. doesn't make any sense to me. If that's the case, I mean, I took pre-calculus like three <laughs> times because it kept getting worse grades. I just kept trying to bring, like replace a grade. And I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> but you were like forced to do math. They clearly are not since Hermione is not taking it. They don't have to take this class, but they are. It's also weird because it's a class where Harry is kind of constantly told that he's going to die, which yeah. is pretty exhausting super problematic so, so they have a class with sprout where they have to get pus from things called boobo tubers they also learn about blast ended scroots in hagrid's class which look like lobsters without shells uh mm-hmm. so just like back-to-back gross things pretty gross fang the dog is described as a boarhound so is he like part pig or is a boarhound a type of dog and i'm an idiot uh shit i wish i had an answer for you but I think I'm also an idiot. Okay, let's see. I'm going to Google boarhound and see if something that isn't fang shows up. Oh, it's a, okay, it's a type of dog. <laughs> Uh-oh. Apparently it's a Great Dane. <laughs> what? Well, shit. We'll just edit that out and both of us are just like, oh, yeah, a boarhound. Oh, yeah, oh, clearly, a, clearly a Great Dane. <laughs> yeah, there's this Great Dane. Hagrid says it'll be a project where they're going to like raise these over the course of the year. But what's confusing about it is that Hagrid doesn't know anything about them. I don't understand why he is teaching something that he doesn't know anything about. They ask him things and he's like, I think this or I guess this or he's like learning on the spot. I don't understand. He loves learning as well. He, uh, okay. He's like a, he's a student of life. <laughs> he wants to learn like right alongside, you know, the kids. Uh, so you find out that uh, the male ones have stingers. And the female ones have sucker things, 
which I know. is way just, too phallic and sexual, like way too much J.K. Rowling. Just say dongs and pussies. I mean, we're all adults. Well, well, they describe them as having different things where like, oh, the stingers attack people and like the sucker <laughs> things suck blood. But it's like, clearly this is a penis and a vagina. <laughs> this is a children's <laughs> book, J.K. Rowling. Why are you telling us about this? Like, this is a completely pointless paragraph, but you put it in there. <laughs> the class doubles as, uh, as a sex ed course. <laughs> when a male... Blast ended Scroot loves a female blast ended Scroot. Uh, also, the blast ended means that, like, on their butts, they can, like, shoot fire. Uh, so that's a thing. Seamus gets, like, shot with fire. He's like, oh, it burned me. And Hagrid's like, oh, yeah, they do that. It's like, you didn't warn the kids. You just let this happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Hagrid's kind of uh, just flying by Sue's pants. He really is. Which I think he loves. I think he loves the unpredictability. I think that's how he rolls. Malfoy is being really sassy, saying that they're useless. Hermione then tells him, well, you know, just because they're ugly doesn't mean they're useless. For example, dragon blood is really useful, but you wouldn't want a dragon as a pet. And then Harry, Ron, and Hagrid all smirk at each other like, hey, because of the whole dragon thing that happened in the first book. And then the narrator describes the entire dragon thing. Goes on for mm-hmm. multiple paragraphs about the dragon thing. He's like, we don't, we, were, we all read the book. And if we didn't, who cares? Because it was like a pointless side story in the book. Why do we need to bring it back up three books later? Because more dragon talk. Ugh, ridiculous. Unless the dragon that comes back is Norbert. Oh, don't tell me if it is. But I know there's a dragon in the Triwizard Tournament. And if it's Norbert, that would be fucking tight. Yeah. <laughs> Hermione runs off to the library after lunch, which is sketchy because they don't have any homework yet. Ron and Harry go to divination. Trelawney like takes two seconds for her to say that Harry is just fucked and he's going to die. Right. Instantly, first thing she says. Today, they're learning about astronomy and she catches Harry dozing off at one point. He's like, oh, sorry, what? And she's like, oh, I was saying that you were probably born under Saturn. It was in a position of power during your birth. So I think I'm correct to say that you were born during midwinter. And Harry just goes, no, I was born in July, (laughs) which is great. But the best part about it is that Ron starts to laugh and then does the classic like laugh into cough thing, which is fantastic. (laughs) Like (laughs) the greatest move there ever was. So good. Ron is just becoming an incredible human being. Oh, and then there's no reply from the narrator about how this conversation continues because it's going to like have to be where either Trelawney admits that she was wrong or yells at Harry for talking back or like has to make some sort of excuse about how she didn't mean it. But the narrator just moves on to Lavender Brown, who is still a Trelawney kiss ass, asks about a planet. And then Trelawney says like, oh, that's Uranus. And then Ron out loud says, can I see Uranus too, Lavender? And then he gets in trouble and the whole class gets a bunch of homework because of it. Dude, he's he's turned into quite a, a character, like yeah. threatening to murder, destroying property, and now just in front of an entire class asking to see a girl's asshole. Yeah, it's he's really taking a big turn. Dude. Hermione uh, then gets back from her wizard math and her teacher's name is Professor Vector. So we're back to shitty names again. Uh, I don't remember the actual name for this wizard math class, but I'm pretty sure that it's like wizard math and it's lame that it's Professor Vector. Also, they never talk about Professor Vector, even though in the beginning of the book, they describe every single teacher at the feast in the beginning and they just don't mention Professor Vector. And now there's a Professor Vector. The name thing drives me crazy. It's really dumb. It's really dumb. To which I think, like, great, Harry's going to grow up and then he's going to be the pottery teacher at Hogwarts. (laughs) Like, oh, your last name is Potter. Clearly you need to teach 
people how to do yeah, that. And then the Patrick Swayze up. ghost can come in and it'll ah! come in full circle. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I, oh, that's so good. That <laughs> that should be in the, another book. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. So then they're at dinner. They're at dinner and Malfoy has a newspaper and he reads a Rita Skeeter piece out loud. It says that Mr. Weasley screwed up at the defense of Mr. Moody. Apparently, Moody's concern was a false alarm. No one was trying to break in. So Mr. Weasley had to modify a bunch of Muggles' memories, the police officers that investigated it, to do damage control. Malfoy also makes fun of the picture on the paper, which is of the Weasley family in front of their house. He says that the house barely qualifies as a house. And then he says, quote, your mother could use to lose a bit of weight, couldn't she? What the fuck? Like, you're just calling a kid's mom fat in front of the school? Jesus. <laughs> Dude, that's the thing is like, he's a lazy bully, but goddamn, he's effective. He's just like, here's something that'll make you fucking crazy in four seconds. Yeah, nuts. So Harry tells him to get stuffed, which is the PG version of telling him to get fucked, which is great. Yep. Malfoy then asks if Mrs. Weasley is actually that porky in real life or if it's just the picture. Harry then says, quote, your mother's expression of looking as if she always has dung under her nose. Is that how she always looks or is it just because you were with her? And which is amazing. Malfoy replies, don't you dare insult my mother, Potter. But it's like, dude, you just called Ron's mom fat twice in front of everyone. <laughs> and then Harry deals back a more creative insult that is like not actually that mean. And he gets pissed. Like, what the fuck? I don't get yeah, it. No, he, he can give it, but he can't take it. It is funny that he is like so taken aback by when other people are, are mean. It's like that they dare speak back, like talk back to him. Ridiculous. So Harry turns around to walk away, and while he's turned around, he shoots some sort of spell at Harry, which barely misses him, but Harry feels the heat of it. So super coward move. Moody then comes in, turns him into a ferret, and then he has the ferret Malfoy floating, and then he, like, smacks him onto the floor, and on beats of the smacking, which is basically like having the hand clap emoji in between words, goes like, never do that again, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. Fucking Moody plays by his own set of insane rules. I respect it. He's not. I also fear it. <laughs> yeah, I also fear it too. McGonagall comes in, gets really upset because he's like, you're not supposed to use transfiguration as a punishment. And he's like, ah, fine. Malfoy grumbles about. <laughs> he's just brushes up like, all right. all right. Fine. Malfoy grumbles like, oh, I'm going to tell my father about this. And then Moody doesn't give a damn. He's like, yeah, go and tell him. Go tell him I'm keeping an eye on you. I don't care. <laughs> So then again, Hermione eats very quickly at dinner so she can go to the library. She tells them it's not for schoolwork, but then the narrator doesn't mention anything. She just runs off and they're not like, what's it for or what? They don't ask. They don't question it. They just let her say this ominous thing and then run away. Actually, that brings up a point. Like, you know, Ron and Harry don't really take an active interest in a lot of like no. what Hermione they don't care. They don't ask any questions. They didn't ask her when she was disappearing using the time turner thing. They were just, they never asked her what was up or why she was stressed out or they didn't like actually confront her about her taking multiple classes. Here she keeps like running off to the library. They don't even have homework yet. And they're just like, okay, whatever. She's a nerd. <laughs> they just let it happen. They could be better friends. <sighs> they could be better friends for sure. So the twins and Lee Jordan joined the table. And they're basically saying that they had a class with Moody and he's dope. And then you get into chapter 14, which is called The Unforgivable Curses. So clearly they're going to learn about Avada Kedavra, which is great. It is great. But you know what else is great? Cliffhangers. Hey, 
everyone, it's me, Editing Mike. When I recorded this episode with Jake, I realized this is where we would cut the episode, but we never recorded the, like, fake outro thing, so here it is now, in post. Thank you guys so much for listening to Potterless. If you'd like, you can subscribe to us on your preferred podcasting app, or at Twitter, at PotterlessPod, we're at Facebook.com slash Potterless, and as always, leaving a review on iTunes helps so much. We also have a Patreon, where we do bonus features in exchange for your guys' pledges, so if you want to pledge money to the podcast in return for that extra content, that's great. And if not, no big deal. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, as they say in Harry Potter all the time, wizard on! Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Griffin Meckleberg, Vicky Garcia, Andres Ozelby, and Aaron Johnson. And the music is by Bettina Campamanis. I've already said all the outro stuff you need to say. I just like doing this bit. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.